is happening? This is Ryan here for the Scale Up Show. I have Akash Magoon, has had multiple companies that he's helped create over $100 million in valuations for. One went up to a half a billion dollar valuation. Uh, really, really amazing things. I've never had anybody go to the level of depth that we've gone through here with how to create a company, how to create product market fit in record time. And by the way, that half a billion dollars was in a three-year period that they created that valuation. So you're not going to want to miss it. He is the founder of Adonis, doing some amazing things in machine learning and AI for healthcare. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Akash Magoon. Akash is the co-founder and CEO at Adonis. Something really cool about him is he came from a software engineering and machine learning background and has spent a lot of his time building software in healthcare. He's a two-time founder, has over half a billion dollars uh, in terms of which the company was built to, had over 200 million plus valuation companies or exits. Was it valuations or exits, man? Um, Valuations. Valuations. Okay. So I messed that. I was rated over 140 million in venture capital. Akash, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Ryan, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, looking forward to the discussion today. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really impressed with you. Thank you, man. It's, it's, I'm happy to have you on too because like, um, and that's why during the pre-show, I always have people tell me unique things about them that I don't get from their bio and I love what you had to say. So we're definitely going to talk about that. However, before we get into your backstory, I want to go through a real quick revenue rundown so everybody has an understanding of where you are at in the stage of the journey. Um, so let's do a real quick revenue rundown. Where are you guys at in terms of your ARR? Um, yeah, so, sorry to do this, Ryan, but we typically, we historically haven't shared that externally, mostly from like a... That's fine. From like a, from like a board request perspective. Um, what we would be open to saying is like, uh, like the... Um, more like the number of customers that we have. Okay. Uh, I, think, I think that's something that we'd be, be more open to. Yeah, well, whatever, man. Whatever you're comfortable with. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not one to pressure. So it's uh, just to give people, like, a, I know you had a Series A funding round, right? So, like, that's a good point of reference. But, like, how many customers do you have then, Ballpark? Um, so Adonis supports roughly 5,000 uh, doctors in the country. Okay. Excellent. And wow. to, give you, to give you some reference, there's roughly a million doctors in the country. So Roughly 5% of the market. Okay, good for you. Especially with just getting started. What, what year did you found the company? We started the company in 2022, in the early part of 2022. That's amazing. They have 5% of the market share in literally a year. So let's talk about then, what is your revenue go-to-market strategy? So Adonis, um, at a high level, builds uh, software to help um, medical doctors of all shapes and sizes collect revenue from insurance companies. And we're able to help uh, providers that own and operate single specialty provider groups. Uh, we have customers that are in the hospital segment. Uh, we also have customers that are digital health companies that have telehealth-based clinics online. Uh, and so our go-to-market strategy is to uh, meet with as, uh, as, as many of these types of personas as possible understand how their revenue cycle works right now with respect to their relationships with insurance companies 
and help to make sure that we can get uh, the maximum amount of revenue reimbursed by the insurer for them. Excellent. Obviously, there's a lot of opportunity there. So how do you get customers? Like what's your, your main strategy for acquiring customers? Um, just like any other I think early stage uh, entrepreneurial team, the, the first set of customers came from close personal networks. And slowly but surely, as we um, started helping those businesses out uh, around improving revenue cycle, uh, word of mouth ended up spreading very quickly. Uh, which has been really awesome for us. Uh, but now, you know, a little over a year and a half into the journey, uh, we get a lot of inbound traffic in from our website for groups that are just going live for the first time. Uh, we go to a, a whole host of conferences and events throughout the city. And we also host our own proprietary events as well. Um, that's really focused on hosting speakers and talking about different topics with respect to certain types of specialties within healthcare. It's a little bit of like grassroots sale, a little bit of inbound, a lot of referrals uh, and events as well has been, have, have been really, really crucial for us. Excellent. Well, it's a, it's a great mix. Obviously, you're doing something right with how fast you're growing. So uh, I, how, how large is the team at, at your organization? So we're a team of uh, 40 people okay. uh, and we're headquartered in downtown Manhattan in, in the World Trade Center. Excellent, man. And how... How did um, you decide to co-found a company with your brother? So with, with my brother, I think a lot of the inspiration for both of us came from uh, watching our parents successfully run businesses growing up. Uh, so our, we, we both grew up in Maryland. Uh, our parents are from India originally, but moved here in the early 80s. And being able to spend um, middle school summers and high school uh, winter breaks and holidays around just seeing how they operate their businesses and, you know, build something small into something a lot larger was always, always a, a big ambition of ours. Uh, but it was also always a dream of ours to be able to run companies together when, uh, when the time was right. And so um, I, I come from a, a software engineering and machine learning background. Uh, my brother comes from a product development background and has prior to you know, starting companies together was a product manager at a number of companies. And so him and him and I both had, very complementary skill sets from that perspective. Uh, but I think the one thing that always um, what was interesting to both of us from like a subject matter perspective was, was healthcare, uh, knowing that uh, there are, there's so much opportunity within healthcare to, to solve problems and make a big impact. Uh, and so between our first company and, and also Adonis, um, just seeing the amount of opportunity that, that's out there within healthcare is something that continues to motivate us to, to, to build um, build product and, and solve problems. That's that's awesome to hear. And so what did your parents do? What, what, what business were they in? Um, it was a number of uh, companies within oil and gas and also within uh, car dealerships and real estate. Oh, wow. So that's, that's touching all, all different sectors, right? Oil and gas, yeah. car dealerships and real estate. That's like, uh, it's quite the combination, man. You're not yeah. Really- so, well, awesome. Um, and I, I can see where you would have some fast success. It sounds like you have the whole technical side of the house kind of covered with you on the, the, not as you as the standalone with your brother, but the product side and then the software engineering, machine learning side. That's a, a great asset. So let's get your background a little bit. Like, I, even though I botched the intro absolutely terribly when I was starting at the end, the first part, I think the first three quarters were good, but I kind of sucked at the last like 25%, but that's okay. 
I'm going to, it's Thursday before like a holiday weekend. So I'm going to make sure that, that we dial this in the rest of the way. So walk us through your backstory, kind of like how you got here, you know, how you were a part of companies that had those valuations and like what led you to this point? I know you gave a little bit of your background, kind of like as we were just talking, we'd love to hear just a little bit more about it because it's, it seems really inspiring from that perspective. Yeah. So we, uh, prior to starting Adonis, uh, we were working on our first company uh, and that was a company uh, focused on improving the way that Americans select their benefits during open enrollment. Uh, and so when you think about the average American family, they, they go through open enrollment once a year. And that decision that they make during that one year period, one, one week a year period, ends up being a pretty consequential decision on how they operate their lives throughout the end of the year, uh, but also for, for post-retirement. And so open, during open enrollment, you're typically selecting anywhere between, uh, any, any, between, anywhere between um, three to six medical plans, uh, two or three dental plans that you have to pick from. You have to figure out how much money you're putting into your HSA versus 401k. And then you also have to figure out life insurance and disability. And so there's this whole suite of options, a bunch of different permutations. And most Americans enter open enrollment with confusion and anxiety and leave with even more confusion and anxiety. Uh, and so our first company was focused on solving that problem. Uh, we built a effectively a TurboTax for open enrollment. And we would partner with large employers to make sure that they can run more effective benefit programs. And it was during that experience where you know we grew very, very quickly as a company. We went from um, zero to over a half a billion dollar valuation in a, in a three-year period, um, but also made a big impact on a lot of lives uh, via the customers that we were deploying our software to. Um, but one of the things that we learned during uh, building that company was around um, how there are so many other segments of healthcare where things are broken. And it wasn't until uh, I was a part of a New York City-based uh, basketball league where I got um, fractured and, and injured my shoulder in a playoff game. Uh, and as I was going through the healthcare process, uh, I knew I already had the right healthcare plan because I picked it during open enrollment. But when I was going through the process of looking to get physical therapy, looking to get surgery and trying to make sure that I understood the costs and even getting approved for that surgery by my insurance company, uh, I became very close friends with the owner of the orthopedic clinic that I went to. Okay. Uh, and he started exposing me to all the problems that he's been having when it comes to building his business from a financial perspective around how he sees X hundred of patients every single month. He does Y number of surgeries, uh, but it oftentimes takes over 120 days to get paid by insurers. There are a bunch of denials and rejections. And it's really, really hard to build a healthcare business uh, in the way that the environment's set up right now. Uh, and to double click on that further, um, in the last five years, there's been a lot of consolidation of healthcare practices where the amount of individual clinics continues to shrink year over year, just given the amount of private equity activity in the space. Um, and that coupled with the contracting macroeconomic climate when we were starting the company, um, we were moving away from an environment where um, businesses were expected to grow top line beyond all recognition and shifting that mindset into buttoning up operations and running a really efficient business. And we realized that for a healthcare provider to run an efficient business, they had to properly collect revenue. And this was a problem that's existed decade over decade. Um, and when we studied it further, we realized that at its, at its core, it was very much a, a data problem 
uh, at its finest. And so that's when Amun and I, my brother, realized that our skill set was very, very poised to solve that problem. That's interesting. So is that like, I, I love how you did that and you kind of approached it and you took like a real world example of a problem that you had and then you saw like firsthand and then you you kind of jumped on it, it sounds like. So like when you looked at and you went from that zero to 500 million valuation three years at your prior company, like, because I'm seeing a pattern, right? You, you did that at your prior company in three years. I know you grew exceptionally fast in the first six days. I'm not going to say what it was because I don't know if you want me to share it or not. Um, but, you know, like, I guess, like, what would you say are the, the key ingredients that you look for, whether it be in the macroeconomic environment or just in the overall market that has created that? Because that's one of the hardest things for people to do. So I think if you could share that, that can inspire potentially other entrepreneurs on like what's possible and how to look at things through that lens. I think there were a lot of companies during the bull run that we just came out of, uh, and specifically some of the nuances to the pandemic that that grew really, really quickly, just given uh, the major need of certain things in a short uh, period of time. Uh, and then, so the reason I bring that up is there were a lot of things that we did at our previous company that I think were unique to the environment that we were in back in the day. Um, and we took some of those learnings and, and brought them to our new company, but also realized that um, Adonis is operating a business in a totally different time period. Um, but it's actually some of a, somewhat of a cool time period to be operating a business in where, again, we're in a contracting macroeconomic climate. Businesses in healthcare are um, being spread pretty thin from a margin standpoint. And so our pitch to customers, Ryan, um, at Adonis is, very, very ROI driven. We're, we're never going in and trying to make an emotional sale with the CFO of a healthcare clinic. It's almost always dollars and cents around, hey, this is what's being on the left on the table right now. This is what you're not collecting. Uh, this is what Adonis can help you collect. And this is how much we might charge for that. Uh, it's a very ROI heavy sale. And so um, the reason I bring that up is um, in, in the current environment that we're in, and I, I think it's going to be the same uh, sort of um, so sort of environment for the next like five to seven years. Uh, I, I think we're moving away from uh, folks that just buy things to buy things to uh, to buying things that, that really help you operate and scale your business. And so if you're looking to create a new company, I would say you, you want to be in the, in the game of selling pills, not vitamins. Uh, and frankly, I hate that phrase. People use it all the time and I see them blog all the time, but I, I, I do think it's pretty... Um, par, par for the course, which is you want to sell something that people can't displace, and you want to be a you know part of the lifeblood of 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 building a product that is the lifeblood of the business that you're looking to sell into. And now I'm speaking I'm speaking from an enterprise perspective, and I've only ever worked at enterprise software companies myself, and so I'm speaking without lens on. I know very little about consumer driven companies, but if you're looking to build an enterprise business, you want to make sure that uh, what you're building and offering is part of the lifeblood of the organization you sell into. Okay. So love what you said there. So and I'm, you got me thinking deeper here. So first, what I should say the, at the last company, right? Uh, where you went from that zero to 500 million, that was more on the top line at all costs era, if you will, right? Do you agree it was during that time frame? Okay. Or no, or am I off on the-, no, the it, it was definitely during the time frame. It was also during the time frame where uh, venture capital was readily available yeah. and you can use venture capital to 
um, pump in growth uh, and, and continue increasing top line. Uh, and and not to like use a a glib analogy, but um, I think during the bull run where interest rates were very low and capital was very very cheap, it was almost like free steroids, and you could just pump yeah. it into companies and grow very very quickly. And that's like a really really fun time to build a business and um, learn a lot of lessons during that. Uh, I think what I'm saying now is that those steroids aren't as cheap, and uh, if you're going to raise uh, venture capital to find that, then you need to have a really strong narrative and thesis around how you're going to deploy that money. Uh, but we're operating in an environment where you have to grow a little bit more responsibly. Uh, and in addition to selling customers, you also need to make sure that you have the infrastructure there to support those customers. And so, um, yes, I think you nailed it on the head. Uh, and that was like a nuance that I wanted to make sure that um, I, I shared as, as, a, as a result of working on company number two. Okay. Yeah, well, and then you said five to seven years is what you're seeing. You think this environment, this economic environment is going to continue kind of like where we're at now over the next five years where it's kind of more the do more with less mentality, like the PE mindset. Is that is that accurate or do you have a little bit of a different forecast on that? Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not an economist at the end of the day, but when you look <laughs> at trends from like past downturns, whether it was a dot-com crash or even some of the things that happened to the real estate market, um, in the, um, in the mid two thousands, I, I would say usually like a five to seven, t- five to seven year time frame uh, is the, the time it takes for the, the market to bounce back. Um, and I don't think it'll ever get back to what it was a few years ago where things were a little like out of hand. Um, but frankly, some of the best, uh, people say this all the time, but some of the best companies that are created during these, these, these downturns. And that's usually because, um, with, with constraint comes insane creativity. And companies now that are looking to go from zero to one and one to 10 uh, have to do that with constraints that others didn't have just a few years ago. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. And I love what you said about, which is, is which I want to double click on, right? You, you mentioned, obviously, do the, um, the painkillers, not the vitamins, right? So what's your definition or how would you architect a solution or a business around that model? Because that is thrown around loosely. Um, and based on your success patterns, I know that you have visibility or kind of a different, probably an internal framework that you leverage when looking at that. So how would you kind of approach that from a a mental framework perspective or strategically? Um, well, I think there's certain things that are, are nice to have as a business and maybe don't contribute to the lifeblood of what you're doing. And there's other things that are like very, very uh, important to what you're building. So an example of something that is very important to maybe a sales team, for example, is every single sales team needs a, a CRM and a pipeline management tool. Um, and so uh, whether you're going to use a HubSpot or a Salesforce or one of, their, one of the competitors in that market, in my opinion, um, just given the way that common day sales teams uh, operate, that's a, like a CRM is a pill. Like you, you must uh, operate out of one. Um, but then si- similarly, um, maybe a um, sales call recording software is a little bit more of a, uh, of a, of a vitamin. Like you've probably heard of companies like Gong and to, to, the, likes of, to the likes of Gong. Uh, and so those are like two different like examples on the other ends of the spectrum of, of companies that are creating like pills versus vitamins. Um, and then similarly on, on our side, uh, for a healthcare practice, we are building software to help them get paid. 
every single clinic, regardless of what they choose, whether they build something internally or outsource it, they need a payment mechanism around revenue cycle management and submitting claims to insurance companies. Uh, and so that, in our opinion, is is in the in, in the game of creating something that's very, very important to the businesses that we sell into. Um, and frankly, um, when you can be in that type of paradigm, uh, but also create a product that is 10 times more effective than the incumbent process, uh, that's when you're in a bulletproof type environment where um, you end up being in an environment where you just need to go to market as fast as possible. And that's what we feel right now. Okay. Love that. So basically you're integrated into like a core mission critical component of the business, which is obviously it's revenue, right? Which yours is more revenue. I want to say profitability because of the, the money lost uh, by not using your solution. Uh, but then you do it 10 times more effective too, right? So it's that combo or that stack, if you will, which creates that asymmetrical adoption at the product market fit stage. Would you, is that a good summary in a very short term? Yeah. You, you said it better than I could. Well, I had some time to think about it. I just threw it at you and then I, I'm just like, okay, I'm just like hitting the repurpose button on chat GPT with what you're saying or rewrite or whatever, right? So yeah. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. So let's talk about product market fit, right? Because like you, I think, and this this builds off of what we just talked about, but you've, it sounds like in multiple situations, had the ability to solve that in a really, really fast manner. And I know you just kind of told us what your framework is for creating something so fast. Anything else that you did to accelerate product market fit at such a fast rate that has gotten you the results that it has, you know, currently? at Adonis and then previously as well? Um, yeah, I think for for us at Adonis, like the number one priority for our first six to 12 months as a company uh, was to effectively partner with as many clinics as possible, understand what incumbent workflows would look like when it comes to collecting payments uh, and making sure that uh, we built a product that wasn't indexed on any one type of customer. I think a lot of companies early on um, bring on a couple early accounts and end up overfitting their software to those types of accounts. And what ends up happening is you're building a software that's a little bit overfit to like a non-generalizable use case and it, and it um, slows down growth. And so for us, it was very important in the earliest parts of our business to interact with different types of personas or different types of specialty groups within our customer segment. Uh, and I think we do that really, really effectively. Um, and uh, we have a pretty strong network effect within Adonis where every customer that we work with and every claim that we process, we get better and better at it, uh, given the machine learning driven advantages around us learning the rules of insurance companies very, very quickly. And so uh, once you're able to go to market quickly, um, onboard a minimum viable 
corpus of customers, you then uh, end up having a network effect that it makes it very, very hard to, for anyone to, to displace you. Um, I like to compare it sometimes to um, something like Airbnb, where, Brian, if you and I locked ourselves in a garage for a week, we could probably go build um, the basic functionality of an Airbnb and clone it. That doesn't mean we have Airbnb's business. It's because the Airbnb has a network effect that you and I will never be able to displace between the supply side and the demand side. Similarly, for our business, um, we have a network effect that allows us to have a better collection rate from insurers out of any other company in, in our market category. And so what we're operating in is a time frame where we're looking to do a go-to-market blitz uh, to make sure that we can find an even deeper network effect. Okay. And that's great. I like, so basically you're saying like, kind of like what ChatGPT did or OpenAI did with um, enabling their product to be free, right? So that they can get all the data to work off of. That was like their rush for their network effect, which is going to make their model more valuable and everything like that, right? Correct. So, so like um, anything else that you look at when designing, when trying to design network effect into a product or an organization or a company when you're creating it? Um, not necessarily network effect outside of what I mentioned, but I think there's certain ways to get defensibility. Um, certain companies have defensibility over technology. Certain companies have defensibility over uh, data. Certain companies have defensibility over um, like the supply and demand type network effect. Uh, and so there's different ways to become defensible and have a competitive moat. And I think it's really important uh, in the earliest days of building a new product to think about what that defensibility looks like. You, you may not always achieve it, in my opinion, um, within the first year or two of a business. Uh, but as long as you have that light at the end of the tunnel around how you get there, uh, you can sometimes as a team talk about working backwards from that. And I think uh, doing that on the earlier side is always going to be really important. So, so what advice would you give to a, a first-time founder uh, as they're trying to identify or create that vision for the defensibility for a year or two years down the road, if they've never never created a product before, never designed a company, how would you kind of approach that or what advice would you give them? Um, my, my take is if you're looking to solve an enterprise problem, um, one must study the existing solutions in the space, understand how other people have approached it, and you need to have something unique about how you're approaching it. Uh, from a from a product solution perspective, uh, and whether it's something unique about your product or maybe a unique um, go to market distribution mechanism, like something needs to be unique for you to be able to uh, go and land grab a particular market. Um, but you you need to really understand like what your unique take is on a space. Um, and I know that's a little bit of a um, a non answer, but I think on a on a case-by-case -case basis, when you're looking at the problem that you're looking to solve, how other people have done it, and really where the big pain lies for your stakeholder or customer, that allows you to come up with a pretty cool uh, approach on making sure that you can solve it a lot better. Makes a lot of sense. Um, but at the, I guess to summarize, at the end of the day, if you're solving a problem for, some, for somebody, uh, like another business, and it's a problem that they themselves can't solve or they don't want to solve, um, then you can create a really sticky business and hopefully a very large business out of that as well. Yeah, makes sense. 
I think it's good that you said don't want to solve, right? <laughs> you said yeah. can't solve or don't want to solve because some people just don't want to put the work in anymore. Uh, so I guess we're, we're getting kind of close up on time. So I want to be sensitive to that. However, um, like with your business, you, you've had a ton of success. What would you say is like your single biggest challenge that you're running into in terms of growing the business right now? Um, I think our biggest challenge is probably around um, this like newer segment of marketing known as product marketing, which is when you are a first mover in a particular space that's approaching a problem in a little bit of a unique way. Um, there's always going to be that one or 2% of people in the target market that are early adopters, but then the, the middle, like 50th percentile of them, uh, need to be educated on, on that problem, um, or educated around the solution and get comfortable with it before they adopt what you're doing. And so while we don't take a very, uh, technical approach to the way that we pitch our product, we like to simplify it a bit for our customers who are very non-technical, uh, given that our customers are usually folks at lead finance teams or lead practices from a physician perspective, while we don't take a super technical approach to what we're offering, um, figuring out the right balance of simple pitch versus te technical pitch is really, really important. And so I think the biggest challenge for us is um, how do we put out content and collateral and product marketing uh, to continue building a strong brand and getting our, uh, our customers and prospects comfortable with how their revenue cycle will be managed with a solution like ours. And so when you're, when you're a first mover in a space, like the best part of it is nobody else is doing what you're doing. Um, but some of the, the, the weight that comes with that is you need to teach the market uh, how to operate. And, and to give you a brief example of, of a company that I think had to do this really well is um, AWS uh, on cloud services. Uh, there were a couple of cloud players that came before them, but AWS dominates that market. And I think the reason that, that they do is they had, they were amongst the first movers, but they had really, really strong product marketing and they built a really strong ecosystem around developers. That's something that uh, um, it took many other competitors of them of theirs years to catch up on. That's one example. Um, developers prior to AWS were always used to going to an office, going to a really cold room with a bunch of servers and deploying your tech to that. And it wasn't until AWS came out where um, it became a common paradigm to not have to do that. Uh, and so, again, just to put a bow on it, like the biggest thing for us is getting the market comfortable with what we're building. Um, but it's only a matter of, of time before the market does realize that we can help them solve some of their biggest challenges from, from a revenue perspective. And it's something that uh, I think we've already done a good job of, of doing in our short history as a company. It's fantastic. And I, you hit a lot of, on a lot of great points there. I think one of the, cause I lived through that too. We started one of my first sales jobs was selling managed services in like early 2000, early 2000s. Right. And so it wasn't mainstream back then it was just getting started. So I remember that there's a lot of presentations where you definitely had to educate the customer on what it even meant <laughs> first. And then once they wrap their head around it, get them to apply that to their situation. So, um, well, Unfortunately, we are up on time. Where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Adonis? And then we'll wrap things up. Yeah, you can learn more about Adonis at adonis.io. Um, as I, I think as you mentioned earlier, uh, we recently raised our Series A led by 
general catalyst. And uh, we're now excited to continue growing the team in, a mul in, in multiple different uh, teams, both engineering and customer success, but also within sales. So if you're out in the market and you happen to uh, be in or around New York City, uh, we'd love to get in touch with you. So definitely reach out to us uh, at Adonis.io. Uh, and then to get in touch with me personally, uh, LinkedIn is probably a strong way and uh, always happy to receive messages there. And, and I'm usually quick to respond. Excellent. Well, yeah, definitely check them out. I, I've had a lot of guests on the show and they are growing like wildfire. So would not be a bad rocket ship to get on board with if you are interested in uh, a new company. So thanks for being on the show, Akash. Really loved having you on, man. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, it, was a, it was great to be here and looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah, you as well, man. All right, we will see you all on the next episode. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.